Welcome to Thrive Community Podcast. We are a church community that is passionate about helping you thrive in your life with Jesus. If you're after more information about Thrive Community, hop onto our website at www.thrivecommunity.au. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired by this message. interesting week, just really blessed and encouraged by some of the, the things that I've been able to experience this week. And in many ways, just being struck by the, the power of unity across the body of Christ, but also the beauty of diversity. And we each have our own unique relationship with Jesus, but also there's, there's such a diversity across the body of Christ. Different church communities do things differently from different traditions. And there's something really special about that. I've shared with a couple of you, and I think I put it on the on the, the WhatsApp and it was in the emails as well. There was a, a White Horse Church's prayer week this week. And I went along on, on Tuesday night. And it was something really special about being in a room where there's people from the Catholic tradition, Anglicans, Baptists, Churches of Christ, Pentecostals, ACC, Independents, all gathered together, praying for one another, praying for one another's churches and communities, praying for the White Horse community, praying for the global church. There's something so precious about the body of Christ coming together and being able to stand and encourage one another. People from the Salvation Army, there was a beautiful old lady from the Salvation Army that prayed for us and our Thrive community as we're beginning and made a real kind of effort of making sure that I felt included in all that was going on, which was really, really special. And there's this beautiful kind of unity and diversity within the body of Christ. And on Wednesday night, I was was part of a a Zoom meeting or a, a Zoom event where the Israeli ambassador to Australia spoke and there was... Wendy Francis from the Australian Christian Lobby, which some of you may be aware of, and also a a Jewish rabbi. And again, I was just struck by how, you know, intertwined our stories are between the the Christian tradition and and the Jewish faith as well. And just bringing together in unity the diversity of our stories and our experiences and our traditions. And of course, for us, you know, I mentioned this at the very beginning, but really excited to take the next step in our journey as Thrive Community as well with our website um, going up on Friday and social media and all of the things that go with us just continuing to step into all that God has for us. And again, we're just one small part of this united body of Christ all around the world, but yet our unique, diverse expression is important for our community and the location that we're a part of because God has a plan and a purpose for our diverse, unique expression here in Melbourne. And thinking about that relationship between diversity and unity and inclusion. You know, they're words that we hear quite a bit these days, right? Diversity, inclusion, all of those sorts of things. Um, You know, I think there's almost every corporate in some ways or large corporates are employing people in diversity and inclusion roles these days and have diversity and inclusion policies. And and sadly, in some cases, right, it's, it's those words that in many ways have been used to accuse the church of being unloving or, or unwelcoming. But I can't help but think here we are on, on Pentecost Sunday, and actually Pentecost is one of the most inclusive experiences in all of history. When you look at the prophecies around Pentecost and that the Holy Spirit, the invitation that's available there, there's this beautiful inclusivity about Pentecost Sunday. And 
At the same time, it's also a diverse experience for so many different people. What Pentecost means, their experiences with the Holy Spirit, there's a beautiful diversity about that as well. And I think we, we miss the power or the significance of Pentecost if we just look at it through one or the other of those two lenses. If we just look at it as one general, generic experience that was there for everyone, a one-size-fits-all moment, we miss some of the power and the significance of Pentecost. But also, if we only look at it as something that is distinct or specific for certain denominations, then we miss the power and the significance of Pentecost as well. It's not just unity and it's not just diversity, but there's power in unity in diversity. Pentecost is available for everyone. We each have our own diverse encounters and experiences, but we're all united in the Holy Spirit. And so I might just briefly pray, invite Holy Spirit to come and minister and speak through us, and then we'll jump into Acts chapter 2. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the Word made flesh. And as we open up your word this morning, we just ask that you would ignite something in our hearts. That as your word goes forth, we know that it never returns void. And Father, that the combination that your word and your spirit would converge in our hearts this morning and ignite something and do something inside of us to transform us more into your image. So we surrender ourselves. We open our ears and our hearts to hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. Move amongst us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 2, of course, we need to make sure that this gets mentioned at some point today. Acts chapter 2, the story of the very, well, not the very first Pentecost. Interesting, right? Pentecost ultimately just means 50. I was reflecting on this. It's interesting that there's whole denominations that really are just called by the number 50, right? (laughs) Um, But we'll we'll get into that in a moment. But that that one Pentecost 2,000 years ago where the Holy Spirit was poured out. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 1 to 6, and I'm going to read in the the NIV translation. And I I want you to perhaps just take notice of how inclusive some of the the language is. It says, Acts chapter 2 from verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. You know, I just see through those handful of verses this kind of picture of unity in diversity. There were people from all sorts of nations and countries, and yet they were gathered together and the Holy Spirit fell on each of them, or they each heard in their own language. And it's in this personal, diverse and inclusive way that we can find a a deeper power and a deeper beauty to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out all those years ago. Because it's not just about one event 2,000 years ago, of course. The Holy Spirit continues to make his home in hearts, millions of hearts all over the world. From all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different denominations, all different traditions. There's this wonderful diversity around the way the Holy Spirit has made his home in people from all over the country, all over the world, all different cultures and backgrounds. 
And he also continues to pour himself out and break out in different ways, in different places, through different people, different church communities, um, with different gifts in different times. And there's this wonderful diversity about the Holy Spirit and the way he moves. And one of the things that really struck me sitting in the prayer meeting on Tuesday night was the churches of Whitehorse gathered together, was that the pastor who was leading it was from one community church in, in, in Blackburn. And he said that no matter our traditions, no matter our backgrounds, we are all Pentecostal churches in that we all have the Holy Spirit. And I think that's a really kind of beautiful way of expressing the unity that we have in the Holy Spirit and what Pentecost means for all of us. It's not just for a particular denomination. It's not just for one particular super spiritual type of person, but it's for all of us. And I think that same thing is picked up in a couple of different places in the New Testament, but one example is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. In many ways, it's saying that there's a lot of diversity out there, but we are united in the Holy Spirit. See, there's this beautiful theme of, of unity and diversity woven all through Pentecost. And so what I want to do is kind of begin where we left off last week at the ascension of Jesus, and then go on a journey through what Pentecost means for us. So Looking at the ascension of Jesus, a quick little recap. That was when he ascended into heaven and then was presented before the throne of God, where he presented himself as the offering and his own blood was sprinkled before the mercy seat to secure our eternal redemption. And in that moment, he was crowned with glory and honor. And that was where God the Father gave him all dominion and all authority and all power. And so that in mind... Acts 2.33, this is part of the first message that Peter preached on that very first day when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts 2.33, and it says, Then God exalted him to his right hand upon the throne of highest honor. That was what happened when Jesus ascended. He was ultimately given the right to sit at the right hand of the Father. And it says here, And the Father gave him the authority to send the promised Holy Spirit which is being poured out upon us today. This is what you're seeing and hearing. So through the ascension, when the Father gave Jesus all authority, all dominion and all power, part of that was giving Jesus the authority to send and release the Holy Spirit. And that's what they were experiencing all of those years ago. And we're still experiencing that today. So it was in this moment in the throne room of heaven, we begin to see how the ascension and Pentecost come together. And the ascension didn't just need to happen so that Jesus had the authority to send the Holy Spirit. But of course, we also needed our eternal forgiveness, our eternal redemption to be secured by the blood of Christ so that we could be a home for the Holy Spirit. If we hadn't been fully and completely cleansed, we couldn't have a Holy Spirit living inside of us. It was through what Christ accomplished there in the throne room of heaven that we are then able to become a home or a temple for the Holy Spirit. And Jesus hinted at this Again, in a couple of different places, but when he was speaking to his disciples in John 16, 7, you would have heard this, I'm sure. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. So ultimately, Jesus is saying, I need to go. I need to ascend and I need to accomplish these things so that you can find eternal redemption and have the Holy Spirit being able to make his home inside of you. 
So there is, as with everything that God does, this beautiful kind of story and purpose and meaning in the timing of the way things play out. Pentecost, as many of you would know, comes 10 days after the ascension of Jesus. We talked last week about, you know, it was 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus that he ascended. And then there was 10 days of waiting where the the disciples had to wait in the in the upper room, waiting for what they weren't sure you know, how it was going to play out, but they were waiting and praying for those 10 days. It was 50 days after Easter that the Holy Spirit was poured out. And I think I mentioned this before. Some of you may already know this, but Pentecost is just the Greek word for 50, recognizing that 50-day period. And that word was, was used simply to speak about a Jewish festival that they'd been celebrating for a number of years, hundreds of years, in fact, and that was the Jewish festival of, of Shavuot is the Hebrew word or the festival of weeks. And it's called weeks because it was seven weeks. And then the next day you've got 50. If you know your times table, seven times seven is 49. And, and, you, and you add one on the end and you get to your 50. It was 50 days after Passover. So the Jewish festival of Shavuot started on Thursday, 50 days after Passover. And you can begin to see how, how these two things kind of fit together. And that's why I find it quite interesting that we've made kind of Pentecost about a particular event when actually it's just a reference to a number and we're continuing to experience this outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, all the time. But bringing these two things together, that that Feast of, of Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks, as the Jews celebrated that, it was celebrating two particular things. It was one recognizing the first fruits of the wheat harvest at that time. And also the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And, you know, it's quite obvious straight away when you just read through Acts chapter 2 and that 3,000 souls were saved off the back of that message from Peter. That you begin to see the the first fruits of the harvest mirroring the first fruit of the wheat harvest that was celebrated through the, the Feast of Weeks. It was really the first fruits in many ways of the ecclesia, the first fruits of the church that were celebrated there on that day. And that mirrored or prophetically fulfilled the first fruits of the wheat harvest. But looking at the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, we begin to see a number of links between that event and then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, if you study out the the key Jewish feasts, they all, the, the feasts that happen in the first half of the year, all have prophetic fulfillment in the coming of Jesus, the death of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, things that have happened in the past. But the the second half, the latter half of the year, those Jewish feasts point to things that will be fulfilled when when Jesus comes at his second coming. And so just like Passover prophetically pointed to Jesus dying on the cross and the Lamb of God being sacrificed, so too the Feast of Weeks is, is significant in its prophetic fulfillment. So the law, the Ten Commandments given to Moses at Mount Sinai, and I think you know, for most of us Christians, and I was the same until recently, that the picture I have in my head is, is Moses with kind of two grey stone tablets and the Ten Commandments are kind of chiseled or engraved in there. Um, I saw a meme, I think, saying Moses perhaps was the first person to download something from a cloud onto a tablet. <laughs> but that, that picture of the, the Ten Commandments just being chiseled into two blocks of, of grey stone is different to what... The Jewish tradition teaches and what the rabbis teach. They actually say that these weren't kind of grey stone tablets. In fact, these were blocks of sapphire. 
And the, the Ten Commandments weren't engraved or written or chiseled on them. They were imprinted or embedded in the stone in the sense that you could see all the way through the stone with where the letters were written. And the message here, the, the, the Jewish kind of rabbi teach that the message for all of us and that what God was trying to communicate here is that, you know, if something is just chiseled or written on stone, then over time that wears down. Over time it loses its prominence. But if it's imprinted or embedded within the stone, there's a unity between the word and the people of Israel that can't be separated and can't lose its significance. And I can't help but think perhaps this is powerfully pointing to the time that was experienced when the Holy Spirit was poured out, where the law of God was no longer written on sapphire or stone tablets, but was written on our hearts through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that's Jeremiah 31, the the new covenant. And Pentecost, or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is the fulfillment of the new covenant promise from Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34 And it says, this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And each man will no longer teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, know the Lord. For they will all know me through personal experience, from the least of them to the greatest. What a beautifully inclusive statement. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will no longer remember their sin. So the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was the fulfillment of this promise from Jeremiah 31. See, in the same way that the the Ten Commandments were imprinted on the stone or the, the sapphire at Mount Sinai, so too the Word of God is imprinted on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And what strikes me about this is that, you know, Pentecost was never intended to be and was never meant to be an outpouring that somehow replaced or lessened our dependence on the word of God. It wasn't about putting us in a position where perhaps, you know, you follow the spirit and and leave the word behind. No, this, this was actually about birthing a deeper knowledge and a deeper unity with the word of God, bringing the word and the spirit even more united and closer than they ever have been before. And, you know, it's probably something worth keeping in mind in our own kind of discernment journey that, that any encounter we have with the Spirit of God should ultimately leave us with a, a deeper hunger and a deeper passion and a deeper love for the Word. Yeah. Right? If, if we have an encounter with what we think might be the Spirit of God and it leaves us walking away from the Word, then perhaps we need to be thinking about who we really met with in that encounter. <laughs> the two should always converge and come together and our love for the Spirit should continue to grow alongside our love for the Word of God. I see it a bit like Jesus in some ways, right? Fully God, fully man, or fully um, filled with grace and truth. It says in in, in John that it wasn't half-half. He wasn't half grace, half truth, but he was full of grace and full of truth. And he didn't have to compromise one for the other. And it's the same way with the spirit and the word coming together. You know, I thought about even, you know, when as parents with, with little kids, you can fully love your kid, but also be fully annoyed with them at the same time, right? <laughs> and, and this kind of convergence of two in one without having to compromise one side or having to compromise the other. And that's my prayer for all of us, that in the same way our lives would be full of the Word of God, but also full of the Spirit of God, those two being united together as one. And that promise is something that's available for everyone. 
That's not just for, as I mentioned before, those perhaps that are in a particular denomination, those that come from a particular background, those that have had certain encounters before. The promise is available for everyone because that reference there in Jeremiah 31, I love how inclusive it is. For they will all know me through personal experience from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. You see, because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, from the least to the greatest, all of us are able to know God through personal experience. Knowing and experiencing the power and the presence of God isn't restricted as it was in the Old Testament to a particular priest or religious professional. And in some ways, perhaps we still at times attempted to fall into that same trap where we think experiencing the power or the presence of God is reserved for People with certain gifts, people on particular stages, people who are, you know, living this kind of life as opposed to that kind of life. But it's not limited to a priest or religious professional. It's not limited to people with a particular, you know, particularly impressive intellect or particularly impressive, you know, influence or social media following. It's not limited to any of those things. Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is open to all of us from the least to the greatest. And I love the heart of God that's communicated through that. From the least to the greatest, whether we see ourselves as great, whether we see ourselves at the least, the Holy Spirit is available for all of us. And so for all of us sitting here, regardless of our background, regardless of our experience, anyone else who ends up listening to this message, I want to really communicate that Pentecost is for you. Pentecost is for you. No matter your background, your experience, where you've come from, Pentecost is for all of us. Don't disqualify yourself because of this or that or this particular experience in the past. Don't disqualify yourself from having your own personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. Because too often I think we think perhaps we're not good enough, we're not spiritual enough, we're not feeling it today, we're not holy enough, we're not important enough, whatever it is, to have our own deeply personal encounter with the Holy Spirit. But Pentecost is for all of us. And the Holy Spirit wants to meet us in our own unique, deeply personal way. And that's that beauty of unity in diversity. We each connect in our own diverse, different ways, but we're united in the Holy Spirit. And so Pentecost didn't only fulfill that that new covenant promise in Jeremiah 31, but it also fulfilled the prophecy given in Joel chapter 2, which is what Peter mentioned in that very first message that he preached all those, those years ago. So we're going to turn back to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And it says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And I'm just just going to pause there. What I find really fascinating about this is, When the Holy Spirit was poured out, it says that there were Jews from all different nations and then the 120 were speaking in other tongues in all sorts of different languages. But this tells me here, actually, there was a common language that was spoken in Jerusalem at the time. And uh, from historical records, they suggest it was Aramaic. And they, they were here having one message spoken to them in a single language and they were all able to understand. And, and that suggests to me that perhaps... You know, the the other tongues and speaking in different languages when the Spirit was put out wasn't because of practical necessity, but it was actually about God wanting to communicate to the hearts of the people that were there. It was their mother tongue, their heart language 
that the mighty works of God were being spoken about. And so it wasn't any practical need, but actually the miracle itself was about God wanting to speak in unique ways to the hearts of the people that were there in the languages that they grew up with. And again, I feel like that's just a really beautiful picture of God's heart for us, that he wants to connect with us heart to heart in our unique, diverse ways so that we might all be united and be a part of his family. So continuing on from Acts chapter 2 there, and this is Peter's message. Those people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Again, these beautiful, inclusive statements about the Holy Spirit and this experience being available to everyone, being available to all people, right? The Spirit was one Spirit poured out on men, women, old and young, men servants, maid servants, all people experiencing the outpouring of one Spirit. And there was a diversity of gifts mentioned, dreams, visions, prophecy. It wasn't all a singular experience, a singular Spirit, but a diversity of gifts and experiences. And so as we kind of begin bringing some of this together, we've looked at three different passages here. Acts chapter 2, where the very first Pentecost, and we saw that the Spirit came down and revealed himself through different languages, but on everyone that was there in the upper room. Jeremiah 31, that new covenant promise, writing the law on our hearts so that Everyone from the least to the greatest might personally experience God. And thirdly, Joel chapter 2, that prophecy about the Spirit being poured out on all people. And then that played out through different gifts. And so bringing this together, I want to look at those three passages very briefly and speak into how we might open our hearts up to a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit this morning. Acts chapter 2, that that account of of what happened with the tongues of fire appearing on everyone. There was diversity of language, but there was unity in their testimony. They were all testifying of the mighty works of God, it says in Acts chapter 2. Diversity of language, but unity of testimony. And I can't help but think that's the same for us in many ways. We all have different and diverse languages that we speak, how we interact, how we go about things, how we express ourselves. And in the midst of that, if our testimony ultimately is about the goodness of God, we have this beautiful unity in the midst of our diversity of language and how we express ourselves. Each one has a special and important part to play in our unique way of expressing ourselves, but ultimately adding to the testimony of the goodness of God and announcing who he is to the world around us. So it it doesn't matter You know, what language we speak, how eloquent we are. It doesn't matter how we express ourselves. We are united in our testimony when we're declaring the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our lives and to those around us. And so my prayer is that on Pentecost Sunday morning here, the Holy Spirit would come. And perhaps some of us, it's it's time to, to find our voice again, to find boldness in 
declaring the testimony that we have to share in our own unique way, in our own diverse ways to declare the works of God. That Holy Spirit would help us all find our unique voice so that we could join in that united chorus of the goodness and the grace of God. Jeremiah 31, that fulfillment of the new covenant promise, God writing his word on our hearts. There was ultimately it says so that we all might know him through personal experience. We all have different personal experiences, but we are united in heart with the law being written on our hearts. And so we might have different experiences with God, different encounters with God, but it doesn't matter what they look like, whether we fall on the floor, whether we laugh, whether we stand in silence, whatever those experiences or encounters look like, we are united because we have the law and the word of God written on our hearts. And my prayer is that through the Holy Spirit, we would find a new level of freedom for our own personal relationship and experience with God. That we would find our own unique way of being able to encounter the Holy Spirit and grow in our relationship with him. We don't need to fit into someone else's box. We don't need to look like someone else's encounter looks like. But we would all find freedom to be able to encounter God in our own unique way where we leave behind religious tradition, leave behind perhaps intellectual barriers that have stopped us from being free and just opening up to what God wants to do in us. And we would be led by the Spirit into that freedom of encountering and experiencing Him in our own unique and individual way. And thirdly, Joel chapter 2, that prophecy where the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh, men and women, young and old. Diversity of gifts, but united in the Holy Spirit. And again, we all have different gifts and talents. We all have different gifts and talents that God's given us. And it doesn't matter what those gifts or talents might be, whether it's encouragement, whether it's helping here, whether it's prayer, whether it's discernment, whether it's preaching, whether it's teaching, whatever those gifts might look like, we all have gifts and talents that God's given us. We are all united by the same Holy Spirit and have an important part to play in continuing to see the body of Christ and the temple that is his dwelling place established here on earth. And so my prayer is that again, as Holy Spirit is poured out afresh, that we perhaps might discover, maybe for the first time, or rediscover gifts that have been laying dormant, or perhaps have gifts reignited inside of us, so that we might be able to step into all that God has for our future. That He would reveal fresh gifts, talents, reignite dreams perhaps that have been dormant inside of us so that we might be able to partner with the Holy Spirit and walk in the fullness of all that he's called us to. And so I want to just create some time at the end here for us to be able to worship and make room for God to move. And I'm believing that as we do that, we would all be united in the Holy Spirit, but at the same time have our own unique, diverse experiences where God is doing what he needs to do in our hearts, speaking to us, stirring us, challenging us, perhaps convicting us, in our own personal time with the Lord. Because ultimately Pentecost is for everyone. It's not just for this category or that type of person, but we are all invited to enjoy the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our own unique way. And that's my prayer for all of us, that we would enter in in our own unique way to perhaps rediscover gifts that have been laying dormant, perhaps find our voice again and play our role in the body of Christ because we all need one another. And we all have an important part to play. And so I might just pray and then we will spend some time worshipping together.
So Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are united together through the Holy Spirit. That because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost all those years ago, we are able to be united as family and united in the body of Christ. And yet you're a God who is so personal and so deeply interested in our unique individual circumstances and situations that in amongst that unity, we also find beautiful diversity where you speak to us in our own unique way and that we would encounter and experience you in the way that you've designed us to have our relationship with you. Father, we thank you that for each of us, it might look different, but that's the beauty of your Holy Spirit moving in diverse and unique ways across hearts and across lives. And so Lord, I pray that this morning we might perhaps find our voice again to be able to declare and testify of all that you have done. Maybe it's in circumstances or situations or spheres of influence where we've lost our voice and gone quiet. I pray that by your Holy Spirit, just as you gave the 120 the ability to speak out the mighty works of God all those years ago, you would give us the ability to testify afresh and rediscover our voice to declare your goodness to those around us. Father, perhaps it's also just re-encountering you in a fresh way, letting go of lies or restrictions that have kept us bound and that we would free ourselves to let go and experience you and encounter you in the way that we feel like you're calling us to encounter you. Because ultimately, you know us better than anyone else and we want to be led by your spirit, unhindered into your presence. Oh, thirdly, Lord, perhaps it's reigniting dreams or gifts that are inside of us. That you would stir those up again and enable us to be able to play our very special part in the body of Christ. Whether that looks like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, however our gifts are revealed and however they come out. That we would be able to be faithful stewards of what you've given us. Empowered by the Holy Spirit to play our part and to be witnesses of your kingdom here on earth. We love you, we praise you, and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen.